Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Ethicast. I'm your host, Bill Coffin. On August 20th, the FIFA Women's World Cup came to a close when Spain defeated England 1-0 to secure its first ever Women's World Cup victory. It was a moment of extraordinary jubilation for Spain, which was quickly tarnished by a public act of sexual misconduct. As Spain's players formally received their medals after the game, Luis Rubiales, president of the Royal Spanish Football Federation, the country's top soccer body, forcibly kissed Spanish forward Jennifer Hermoso on the lips. The event was caught on camera and seen by millions of people worldwide. Rubiales described the kiss as a consensual act in the spirit of celebration. Hermoso described it as, quote, an impulse-driven, sexist, out-of-place act without any consent on my part, end quote. Like I said, the kiss was caught on camera. You can see it for yourself. I have, and I agree 100% with Hermoso. Very quickly, Rubiales defended himself and opposed calls for him to step down. What's more, the federation he runs accused Hermoso of lying and threatened legal action over it. But the event has become something much more, a Me Too moment for Spain itself, as FIFA, the world's top soccer body, has suspended Rubiales. Spanish authorities are considering pressing charges for sexual assault, and dozens of members of the women's national team, as well as many other players, have publicly stated that they will not play for Spain as long as Rubiales is running the Spanish Soccer Federation. As the controversy continues to unfold, we are seeing a key moment in speak-up culture, organizational justice, and gender equity playing out in real time with significant consequences on the horizon. With us today to discuss all of this is Ethosphere CEO, Erica Salmon-Byrne. Erica, welcome. Thank you, Bill. I'm delighted that uh, you reached out to say, hey, do you want to talk about what's happening in Spain? And I said, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I couldn't think of anybody better to talk to, honestly. Um, but, but, so I guess my first question is, like, very quickly after this controversy broke, um, like I said, the Spanish Football Federation accused Hermoso of lying and threatened her with legal action. And this is from an organization that in 2022, Rubiales himself said that it had faced some 70 similar complaints during his tenure. So one of the pillars of ethical culture that we talk about at Ethosphere is organizational justice. Mm -hmm. Apart from any particular opinions that we might have of the Spanish Football Federation here, what kind of learning moment does all this provide when we think of promoting organizational justice? Yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's, I think it's a sad reflection, Bill, of the fact that even when there is video evidence of an event that was um, viewed by millions, right, uh, live in the moment, right, with, with cameras from around the world, um, capturing what should have been a moment of total jubilation for the women who won that very, very hard fought match. And that to me, before I get to your question, is the saddest thing about this whole process. We should be talking only about the fact that the Spanish women finally won, right? Yeah. We should be talking only about the fact that the match was incredibly well fought. We should be talking about the journey they took to get to the championship match in the first place. We should be talking about the dedication that these women have shown to their sport. And instead, we're talking about this. Um, and it is, it's, it's, it's profoundly sad to me that this is the storyline that everybody is, is, is focusing on and that this is going to, quite frankly, tarnish an incredible, incredible accomplishment by the women on that team. Um, but what it says to me from an organizational justice perspective is even with video evidence, even with in the moment evidence, we are still caught in a, did she say yes to this or not moment? And 
that is very, very sad, right? Because this should be about conduct. This should be about appropriate behavior. Um, this should be about the way in which you um, respect the people around you. Uh, and, and, and to me, that's the big lesson to take away from all of this, which is we still have work to do to help people understand that when somebody speaks up and says something, um, your knee-jerk reaction should not be to protect the people at the top. Yeah. So I guess one of the things that struck me about all this is that um, this isn't just a, a misconduct scandal on a world stage. It's within a very, very specialized professional culture. You know, and what we have seen at the Women's World Cup here, um, it reminds us of the sexual misconduct scandal at the Chicago Blackhawks, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but we've seen similar and widely reported scandals in other industries. Um, the World Bank comes to mind. Um, but all of these cases have happened in hyper-specialized work cultures. So can we talk a little bit about these special risks and challenges of maintaining or enforcing norms in environments or cultures where normal rules just somehow don't seem to apply. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it it, it is a it's a special level of challenge, um, Bill, and 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 to you know to your list of of specialized situations, I would also toss the situation at the former Washington Redskins, right? Mm, so you yeah. have you have uh, insular environments where people are using specialized skills to do a job that they can't do anywhere. Um, and so, you know, if you look at the World Bank, for example, I had the pleasure of presenting years ago now with the woman who is running the restorative justice office at the World Bank. So that she is basically trying to make sure that somebody who raises a concern inside the World Bank isn't harmed inside that specialized ecosystem because there aren't very many places that you can go and do that job. Similarly, for, you know, the situation that we're talking about now, it's not like um, the Spanish soccer players have a plethora of places where they can go and ply their trade, right? There is a, it is a, a closed ecosystem where everybody knows everybody, everybody knows everybody's stats, everybody knows everybody's reputation. And unfortunately, um, there's still too much of a attitude of, I'm going to keep my head down and not say anything so that the future of my career is not harmed. So it's sort of like, you know, um, fear of retaliation on steroids is basically the way that I would characterize it. And it is absolutely something that if you are thinking about your own specialized workplace or your own workplace, rather, asking yourself, where are the places inside my organization where somebody might have a very specialized skill set that they are very, very scared of impacting by raising their hand and saying, I need help or I saw something or something went wrong? Because uh, it does definitely uh, create an even more of a challenge to really creating a, a true speak up culture. If you have those kind of corners of your organization where people have very specialized skills that they can't then go and just fly somewhere else. Yeah. So this scandal is further supercharged uh, by the fact that it happened within a championship team at a championship moment under the optimal conditions uh, for people to want to ignore wrongdoing because they don't want to tarnish an otherwise joyous moment. Yeah. So how can organizations equip their people to be true to their stated rules and values, even when the heat of the moment might provide powerful incentive for people to behave differently or look the other way? Bill, I, I think to me it goes back to the, the, the comment that you slipped in uh, during the first question, which I, I want to, to revisit, because this is not like this was an, an aberrative moment you know, uh, for, for, uh, um, you know, for um, Louise's behavior, right? Yeah. The, 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 the Spanish uh, soccer organization had disclosed that they had had 70 allegations of wrongdoing, 
this is yeah. this is pattern of behavior stuff, right? This yeah. is not I lost my head. This is not I was overcome in the moment. This is not everyone was hugging, so I thought it was fine. Like this is somebody who believes that that he is in a position and has been shown by past patterns of behavior that he can get away with stuff. Um, and so, you know, that, that is to me, that, that really takes this out of kind of in the moment heightened activity and puts it into, um, this one was videotaped, right? Yeah. Like this one, this was one, this Broadcast one was live. World, right. This was yeah. this, the, even his, and I, this is a family podcast, so I'm not going to get into the details of it, but anybody who wants to can go look it up. But his behavior when the team won was yeah. gross and disgusting, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And he apologized for that because it was the Spanish royal family, and they obviously have um, a tremendous amount of, of sway over the Royal Federation of Soccer. Uh, but you know, his his explanation for for that particular uh, uh, event was that he was congratulating the coach. Well, the the people that should be congratulated are the the people out on the pitch, playing to you know. Uh, exhaustion and fatigue to try to win to this 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 game for for their for their um, for their nation, and that that to, so to, so to me it's a little bit less in this particular circumstance about how do you get people to use to keep their heads in heightened moments. Mm -hmm. To me, it's a little bit about how do you get people to to even have a head to keep in a heightened moment because that's that's this is that that's really what this is about to me is is yet another example of a situation where someone had been empowered to engage in inappropriate behavior for a very long time, engaged in inappropriate behavior in front of the world, and is now looking around and being like, what? What did I do? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I can't be happy anymore. You know, that kind of, that kind of reaction, it was a little, yeah. And in fact, before, before he, he forcibly kissed Jennifer Hermoso, at one point he grabbed another player and like threw her over his shoulder and ran across the field with her. I mean, in the in just a demeaning fashion. I mean, it's just yeah. not just not. She's a not a child. No, she's not. Right. She's a, she's a not world a champion. Right. She's a world champion. Right. Treat her accordingly. You know. Yeah. Right. So it's 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 well, there's a lot going on there. You know, one of the one of the things, Bill, that I've been pondering about a lot is I've been you know when when these kinds of situations come up, I do a little bit in my head of of, of sort of um, uh, reversing the circumstances, right? And so in my head, I was trying to think to myself like. What would his reaction have been if the Spanish men's team had won the men's World Cup? Mm -hmm. Would he have picked somebody up and run across the field with them over his shoulder? Right? I mean, I don't know that he physically could have, for one thing, but maybe he could have. Um, but 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 that's to me, that's one of the lessons to take away from this, right? Is yeah. if the circumstances were reversed, and, and this goes a little bit to your sort of like losing your mind heightened um, <clears throat> mental state question. Talking to people about how if this if the circumstances were reversed, how would you behave, right? If this had been the men's mm -hmm. team that won, what would you have done? Um, yeah. And and that that gets at, at at the heart of the question. Yeah. Now, you know, you're a sports fan, right? I'm a sports fan. For the moment, we're going to overlook the fact that you and I are never going to see eye to eye on who really is the best NHL team out there. We're just going to let that aside for the moment. Um, but but kidding aside, you know. When we looked at this controversy blow up and the, the social chatter in Spain, I mean, very quickly, a large amount of, of support kind of you know, coalesced around Hermoso. But there were 
folks who rallied behind Rubiales as well. And, and yeah. really, they, they were like, let's stop dumping on this wonderful moment. And these are people who aren't part of the apparatus. They're just fans, right? So I guess, and we've seen this before in the sporting world. So my question to you is, what is it about sports or more broadly, you know, environments that really kind of heighten our tribal social connections that convinces us to give greater permission for wrongdoing than we might do otherwise? Because that strikes me as a, as a kind of, that's where some of the worst ethics compliance violations we've ever seen in our professional journeys kind of occur. So what what's going on there? I think a little bit of it, Bill, goes to um, respect and admiration for someone doing something we can't do, right? So, so there's a spectacle element to these sort of sporting events. There's a, I can't believe how fast that person is. I can't believe how good a skater they are. I can't believe, you know, I can't believe uh, Kale McCarr skated backwards and poke checked Connor McDavid, which is why he's, by the way, the best NHL defenseman in the game today. But that's an aside that you and I can agree to disagree on. Um, but you know, there's there's this there's this like the, those people aren't us element yeah. that I think kind of kind of happens, and it it allows it's an it allows you to escape into a environment where you are are not necessarily utilizing the um, psychological skills that you use in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, and, and, and I think that that does make it very challenging for anybody who is looking at the behavior of these people. Because again, right, Kale McCarr may be a freak of nature, but he's also a person. And so as we think about the ethics and compliance type of challenges inside of a sporting team, a sporting organization, a group that's that supports um, you know uh, sports at the at the at the country level. It's still people, right? We're still we're still mitigating people created risk, and just because somebody can do things physically that we can't believe are really possible, it doesn't mean that we set aside uh, all of the knowledge and the values and the background that we have um, to treat that person as someone who is is worthy of. Um, a special standard. And, and yeah. here, in this particular case, the, the player, the, the person who physically accomplished all the things is not the one who's asking for special treatment, right? She's not the one who's asking for her behavior to be excused. It's, it's, it's the guy who ran the organization that made it possible for her to be on the pitch in the first place. And so, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I, it, that to me, that's even more of a, it's just people, it's people being people, right? And we're better than this. Yeah, indeed. Uh, now, Rubiales has been suspended by FIFA, but he has stated, I mean, and he's, I mean, forcibly so, he has stated he has no intention to resign, yep. despite massive social pressure to do so. Um, he's even described a lot of this controversy as, quote, social assassination, end quote, as a kind of way to sort of hand wave it away as, some piece of cancel culture. Yeah. So I guess my, my question is, what can we learn from this moment um, in the context of values-based leadership? I think one of the, to me, one of the big takeaways of this moment, particularly when I think about the number of uh, inquiries and, and complaints that, that the organization had been getting before this moment happened, to me, the takeaway is um, the power of the public eye, mm -hmm. right? This is somebody who had, had sort of batted away all sorts of allegations in the, the period leading up to the World Cup match. 
Um, and then he put his his in he put his instincts on display for the world to see. Um, and so to me, it's it's really an example of how how we live, how we navigate a transparent world, how we respond to video images of us engaged in behavior that we're not proud of. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm pleased that FIFA has, um, you know, suspended him. Uh, I think it's, I think it's the pressure from the women saying that they won't play for the organization if he stays in his role. Um, but ultimately somebody with authority over him is going to have to make this decision for him. Uh, and that much is obvious because um, he still doesn't understand what it is he's done. Uh, and that makes him supremely unqualified uh, to continue to lead the organization, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And the quicker the quicker that happens, the quicker the people of Spain can go back to celebrating the amazing win that their women have had uh, on the yeah. world stage. They're they're much deserved win. I mean, it's it's they really deserve it. Spain deserves this moment of jubilation. It's it's sad that's been taken uh, down a notch by this misconduct by somebody who didn't score the goals and who didn't run the pitch and who didn't perform superhuman acts of athleticism, <laughs> you know. Um, but if I can ask you a follow-up question, yeah. you know, I, I'm always interested in cases like this where you have somebody who they have a pretty well-established pattern of, um, if not outright misconduct, certainly noxious behavior of some kind or another. And the culture of the organization that contains him has not yet self-regulated itself to either censure him or just put a stop behavior or to do anything. And it took a transgression that was so beyond the pale that people finally just threw up their hands and there's kind of a collapse of support around the whole organization. But what does it say about a culture when an organization gets to the point where that kind of behavior up to a up to a point is still allowed to happen? It's, it, 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 it's, it becomes a culture that reinforces bad behavior. How do cultures get like that? How do they stay like that? And how can we reverse that sort of thing from happening? Yeah, you know, Bill, it, it, a lot of it goes to the um, the, the construct um, that, you know, we've thought of here at, at Ethos for Ethos here for years, which is what builds a culture is who you hire, who you fire, who you praise and who you promote, right? So we can have all the systems in the world and they, and they matter, right? The formal systems matter, the, the, the policies matter, the trainings matter, the, you know, the, the ability to raise concerns matter. But what matters more is the informal system. And if the informal system is continuously supporting and promoting someone who everybody around them knows is engaging in inappropriate behavior, then that's going to coalesce and, and, and expand, right? If, if, the, if the, you know, the, the serial harasser, who is also the highest performing salesperson, just keeps getting promoted and rewarded and promoted and rewarded, people are going to look at that and say, that's what matters here, not what's on the wall. And so the, the, the delta between your formal systems and your informal systems, you need to make that close as much as possible because you're at the end of the day, your informal systems are going to win, right? Your in, your, the culture in which you're operating, the peers that you're around, the way they behave at lunch, the way they, um, you know, they, they, they speak to each other or don't, depending upon, you know, the teams, all of that is going to build on itself. Um, and, and, continuously asking, are we promoting the right people? Are we, you know, reviewing our informal systems to make sure they match our formal systems? 
those are the places where um, you can stop sort of a spiral. Um, and if you miss those places, then the spiral will continue because your formal system simply can't keep up. Yeah. Well, Erica, as always, it is great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your expertise. Absolutely, Bill. It was my pleasure. Um, you know, and, and congratulations to the women of Spain um, because it was it was a it was a heck of a match. Absolutely, it was. Well, I am Bill Coffin, and this has been the Ethicast. For more episodes, please visit the Ethosphere YouTube channel at youtube.com/ethosphere. And if this is your first time enjoying the show, please make sure to like and subscribe either on YouTube or on any of our podcasting platforms at Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. If you want to learn more about the many different projects and programs that are going on in Ethosphere, including the world's most ethical companies, the Global Ethics Summit and other events, the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance, our culture measurement services, our program assessments, and our data benchmarking platform, The Sphere, then please sign up for our biweekly newsletter, Ethosphere Insights, at ethosphere.com newsletter. And while you're there, if you're particularly interested in this topic from a culture perspective, please be sure to also subscribe to our new Culture Corner newsletter. It's a great read. You'll be glad you subscribed. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, remember, strong ethics is good business.